listen if you dare, as we unfold stories of unexplained happenings and phenomena. Write in at unexpectedhauntings739 at gmail.com. This is where the unexpected and ghost stories are brought into reality. This is Unexpected Hauntings. That's right, and welcome newcomers to Unexpected Hauntings. This is an open window podcast to all of you ghost story lovers out there and people that have had experiences with ghosts in the past, be it paranormal, uh, phenomena, or just plain crazy crazy things that happen that you can't understand or explain to anyone else without them thinking that you're crazy. So this podcast is solely based on that and for everyone to just have a clear state of mind and share your ghost stories with us. If you'd like, um, subscribe to our Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, We're on Stitcher. We are on Sirius XM, all of the different podcast um, stations out there. We are out there, uh, Unexpected Hauntings, and um, we would love to hear from you guys with your stories as well on unexpectedhauntings739 at gmail.com. I'm going to give a little bit of a background of myself. Um, My name is Ben, and I've had multiple experiences with the paranormal growing up and um, actually have some stories in this actual channel that explain some of my experiences um, with the paranormal and with orbs and stuff like that. So um, if you guys are interested, um, just go on ahead and start listening at the bottom and I hope that you guys enjoy it. If you like, then write us a review and we hope that you guys will choose us as your ghost podcast channel but as a treat i'm going to be sharing a story from one of our episodes and it covers the occult museum and the story of lacey the doll enjoy things to see when visiting the strange love and craft occult museum lacey the doll first off i don't want to have to justify myself or my curiosity. I'm a thrill seeker and chances are that some or even a lot of those who will read this are too. I'm sure too many would pass up the chance to see a private collection of obscure artifacts if it were offered to them. Arms up, the lady in neat office attire told me. I let go of a soft sigh and complied with her demand, shifting my weight uncomfortably as her hands began to roam my upper body. My unease grew when she began patting down the inside of my legs. Couldn't you have gotten Clarence to do this? I muttered sheepishly. Sorry, but no. Standard safety measures. I didn't reply and waited obediently for her to be over with it. She finally got up and smiled at me. There, that's it. You're good to go. I let go of her leaf breath and shook her hand, which she, which she held out to me. I'm Jenna, by the way, she said, glancing me up and down. She chuckled. I always thought Clarence's wife would have just as much metal in her as he does. That crapped me up 
a little and I grinned a bit. My husband does have a lot of piercings from what he looks like. The Strange Love and Craft Occult Museum really is the kind of place you'd expect him to work at. When we first met, he bragged about being employed at a place holding obscure items. He told me some smack about haunted dolls, and even though I didn't fully believe him at first, it was enough for me to grow interest. I had always been a sucker for all things creepy and mysterious, and we bonded over his tales. He kept telling me these stories about him working as a security guard at a private museum for cursed, possessed, and general paranormal artifacts. He even proudly showed me the scar on his chest and said he'd gotten it at work. He never took me to see the place, though. I begged and pleaded, but he claimed that there was nothing he could do. Apparently, the museum is accessible to a certain kind of clientele, important people, rich folks, researchers, reporters, and alike. What he hadn't told me until we were engaged was that oftentimes exceptions were made for family members and employees. He later said he'd kept it from me so I wouldn't marry him to get into the museum. I had been plenty furious at him for thinking I would go to such links, but admittedly, I still very much wanted to go. So, I kind of see where he was coming from. Now, Jenna began, straightening out her dress pants, I'll be leading you around. There are no other visitors scheduled for today, so we'll have a lot of time. I'd give you the standard tour, but I feel like that'd be a bit too boring for you. I bet Clarence has already told you quite a few things. So is there something particular you'd like to see? There was the question I'd been waiting for. I motioned for Jenna to give me a second as I fumbled for the piece of paper in my pocket. I had used it to scribble down the items I was most interested in viewing, all of which only known to me through stories my husband had entertained me with or mentioned before at some point. Well, someone's come prepared, Jenna remarked. I took a deep breath and began to read, read out the items I had jotted down. I would like to see Lacey the doll, the music box, the obsidian knife, the beheaded woman's gown, the mummified wor worshipper, and the journal of Ernest Kraft. That's quite a list you got there, Jenna said. I guess we can do, do all that. She paused before adding, Are you sure about the obsidian knife? I frowned. Yeah, why not? Never mind. I figured Clarence might have told you something. But whatever. Let's save the one for last. Come on inside, then. We walked across the court over to the large house. It looked a bit like one of these mansions in the horror movies itself, just about ten times more enormous. Upon noticing my question stare, Jenna cleared her throat. The strange Lovecraft Museum's artifacts have been held in the buildings ever since it's established in 1891. The house you've, you see before you has always been part of the Kraft estate. Ernest Kraft used to live here with his wife and daughter, but after the founding of the museum, they moved to a smaller house, which was also family property, and used this 
one to store their findings and artifacts. Of course, after Kraft's death, the museum changed ownership. His daughter and her husband continued to take care of it from then on. It's been handed down over generations ever since, but the location has always stayed the same. The Crafts must have been rich, I muttered. You bet they were. What about Strangelove, though? I don't even know his first name. Was he wealthy? I don't think so. See, Strangelove is a very mysterious character. His first name, as well as his age, during the time of his partnership with Kraft, are unknown, and many assume Strangelove to be an Elias. Even in Kraft's writing, he's never referred to as anything else. Huh. So why do you guys check everyone on weapons before they come in? Did someone have did something bad happen here? I'm glad you asked. I think that's a good time to introduce you to Lacey. She was the item involved in that very unfortunate incident. Jenna ran her hand through her short dyed hair and sighed. She led me up to the entrance door which stood out from the old facade of the building like a sore thumb. It looked, mo looked modern and sturdy and appeared to be connected to a control panel on the wall right next to it. She leaned over and entered a code, then opened the door and waved for me to follow her inside. The hall we stepped into was large and high, and even though there was a plain chandelier hanging from the ceiling, it was only dimly lit. Paintings of stem-looking people adorned the walls. Fancy, I remarked, looking around the pompous room. This is just the entrance hall. There's nothing special here, but it was decorated to fit the atmosphere. Our visitors are usually very demanding, so we have to sustain the feeling, Jenna explained. You wouldn't believe how easily some folks get bored. It's insulting. Sure, we get... We gotta act accordingly. I nodded the following. I nodded and followed her into one of the hallways leading off sides from the entrance hall. At its end, we found ourselves facing an open doorway framed by two men in shirts and dress pants. Damien, Jason, this is Clarence's wife. Jenna introduced me. I smiled and waved at my husband's co-workers. Nice to meet you guys. I'm Brooke. The two men each shot me a friendly smirk. So you want to go see the dolls? The one on the left inquired. Lacey in particular, I replied. Oh, damn. Good choice, I guess. The man remarked, looking over to his companion. He added, Time to show off your hand, Damien. Damien sighed and stepped forth, holding out his hand to me. For a moment, I wasn't sure what he was doing till my eyes fell onto the large white scar in the middle of his back. He flipped his hand, exposing his palm, and I found there was a there to be a similar shape and place scar as well. He cleared his throat. Five years ago, a visitor got possessed by Lacey. Back then, we didn't check for weapons and only relied on the security per personnel, really. He smuggled a knife and came running at us. Then he was trying to get the doll out of here. He
he was under her control, of course. So he tried to take the knife from him without hurting him. Jason here only got a few scratches, but that little so-and-so got me good. Right through the hand. I regarded him with wide eyes. I felt a mix of anticipation and fright growing within me. You ready? Jenna asked. So ready, I murdered, muttered. Damien laughed and stepped, up, stepped aside, motioning for Jenna and me to enter the room the two had been guarding. Have fun, she called after us. And Jenna, you know the standard protocol, no touching with bare hands. So taking pictures without asking permission, I've been working here longer than you, she retorted. Chuckling as she turned to face me. It's not, it's nice not having to pretend. I don't know my co-workers when leading someone around for once. All the other highly esteemed visitors. Her tone had changed into a mocking tone. Have us talk like we're robots or some shit. Otherwise, they wouldn't feel special. I grinned and Jenna rolled her eyes and grimaced before wincing, winking at me. Take your time to look around. There's a bunch more than just Lacey in here, after all. It was only then that I actually began to take in the sight before me. We were standing in a spacious room, which somehow still managed to look cramped with all the shelves and showcases lining the walls. The air was musty, warm and stale. A instinctively unzipped I instinctively unzipped my sweater and I let it drop to my hips, trying tying it around my waist. My eyes began roaming the shelves. They held dozens of what looked like small packages. They were almost identical, the only real very only really varied in size. Stepping closer to one of the showcases, I found that it held a rather large rag doll. It was a boy doll, about the size of a toddler, and dressed in cowboy attire. A little shawl, brown vest, tiny boots, a floppy head. It was almost cute, despite not being very well made. It was sitting well, fingerless hands obediently folded in its lap. We call that one Ethan. He's not much trouble. Moves around here from time to time, but only when someone's looking. He likes the attention, but that's about it. Is that why you keep him on display? Yep, we show off the we show off all the do- docile ones and keep the more dangerous ones tucked away. She gestured to the packages on the shelves around us. What are you seeing there? What you're seeing here are both troublesome ones, as well as ones we suspect to be. That that means they are at risk of being related to the occult, but we don't know for sure, so we take precautions just in case. I nodded wordlessly, looking around, glancing over at Ethan's showcase. I noticed that one of the doll's hands was now resting on the floor right next to it. I nudged Jenna excitedly. But she just shrugged. That's nothing, she said, looking unimpressed. I can't stand... He can 
stand upright even though there's just stuffing inside him. See it? Seen it myself. He's lazy today, it seems. She led me over to a file cabinet, reached into her pocket and produced a key ring and produced a key ring. She hummed quietly as she began searching through the keys before choosing a very small one and unlocking the top drawer. Before reaching inside, though, she grabbed a box of disposable latex gloves resting atop the cabinet and handed me a pair before putting some on herself. People have reported a lasting itching and stinging sensation after touching Lacey, she explained. She produced a gray cloth bag from the drawer and slowly unwrapped its contents. Inside from a wooden inside aside from a small wooden crucifix and glass vial filled with a colorless translucent liquid, an inconspicuous plastic doll came forth. That's holy water, Jenna said, as she put aside the vial and picked up the doll. She was holding it with such care and gentleness that I almost felt like it could break. It just almost felt like I could break it just by looking at it for too long. Brooke, meet Lacey the doll. I swallowed. Lacey was pretty. She was wearing a green and yellow hippie dress which together with her styled blonde hair looked like something straight out of the 70s. Her large blue eyes stared at me vacantly. I'm not sure what I expected. Perhaps a feeling of dread or the room suddenly turning cold. Neither of these things happened, though. The doll seemed so innocent. You don't look too impressed, Jenna remarked. I wasn't sure how to respond. Before I could say anything, she went on. That's not surprising. Lacey only affects people when they're holding it or and on their own. Deezy spells, hearing voices, and visions are the most common occurrences. Oh, I muttered. May I? Sure, but you have to ask the doll first. I shrugged and bit down a bit, looking Lacey in the eyes. May I hold you, please? A short period of silence ensued. I wasn't certain to wait for an answer. I looked up at Jenna with a questioning face. She won't respond if that's what you're hoping for. We, a- we ask out of courtesy. She prefers being treated politely. So, is it okay for me to hold her? I think so, Jenna said. She carefully handed me the doll, and I took it with uncertain, trembling fingers. Lacey was gifted to a young girl named Allison on her ninth birthday in June 1974. The doll quickly became a beloved plaything to her, but as Allison grew older, she grew her apathy towards her her old toys. Lacey found herself discarded, tucked away in some dusty corner of the family's home's attic. When Allison was around 16 or 17, she had her first contact with the occult. Her and her friends began to read up on certain rituals meant to summon spirits from realms other than our own. It's hard to tell why they did it. Maybe out of rebellion or defiance. Maybe they were bored. Or maybe they simply thought it was interesting. That wouldn't make them all that different from you and me, would it?
Whatever the case, one night Allison and two of her female friends planned on conducting one such ritual. They planned on summoning an entity, but not the spirit of a deceased, mind you. They had everything set up, however, they would need to offer the being of a vessel. It was then that Lacey the doll met her new purpose. The details of the ritual are unknown. Most happenings of the night of the ceremony appear to have been wiped from the memory of all those involved. What we do know, however, is that after the, go- after the girls utilized an empty storage unit rented by one of their parents to perform the summoning, Allison took the doll home with her. She was sitting on the young woman's nightstand when her mother found her in the morning. Was she dead? I whispered. Jenna's monologue had been captivating. She had given this speech countless times before, no doubt. Her grave tone and low voice had caused tension. I was hesitant to break. She gave me a thin-lipped smile. No, Allison was very much alive. She was curled up at the foot of her bed, facing the doll and repeating the word, Stop! over and over again. She would lash out when being approached, batting away the hands of anyone who tried to touch her. She was otherwise unresponsive. Her parents had no choice but to commit her to a mental institution. Of course, that left them home alone with the doll. Allison's mother began to experience terrifying nightmares, and both she and her husband noticed the typical signs of haunting in their home. Objects were being displaced, electricity malfunctions happened on a regular basis, and Lacey herself seemed to move on her own accord, disappearing from where she had been left only to reappear in different locations around the house. This prompted the couple to bring the doll into strange clove and crafts in September 1981. For a long time, no one here was certain about the nature of the entity possessing the doll. Investigations were made, and other two girls which were involved in the ritual were questioned. As I said earlier, they yielded no results. The next remarkable incident happened very recently. It was the one Damien told you about. Believe it or not, but we actually had Lacey on display back then. One of the doll's spectators, however, appeared to grow especially enraptured, even though nobody noticed it during the rest of the tour. Either way, he returned the next day, brandishing a knife, and, well, you know the rest. Damien and Jason managed to subdue him, and he ended up snapping out of it. He's okay now. He had a meet-up with a local priest right afterwards. That fixed him up. What about Allison? Did she ever recover? Jenna shook her head. Sadly not. She's been transferred to a care home after they tried out all sorts of treatments, including getting her into contact with several priests. From what I've heard, she can act on her own and isn't as unresponsive anymore. But she has lost her ability to speak. The only thing she can say is, stop. She still experiences panic attacks, one on and 
more or less regular basis. It's quite tragic in my opinion. A single bad decision has kept her from leading a normal life. Or at least the kind of life she would have had if she hadn't attempted to utilize the powers beyond her understanding. I looked down at the doll in my hands in disbelief. It looked so innocent. I wanted to witness it. I needed to see it for myself. Will you let me be alone with it? If you're sure that's what you want. Not longer than five minutes though, for safety reasons. If you get scared, just call for me. I'll be right outside. I nodded and watched as Jenna walked off, leaving me on my own with Lacey. I lifted the doll's face level with me. Its painted on blue eyes were still perfectly lifeless. I didn't feel threatened by her at all. Therefore, what happened next caught me completely off guard. The room around me began to spin. The shelves and show showcases turned into a dizzying mess of warm, dark colors. A throbbing pain took over my head. It was pounding in my ears and occupying my senses. I couldn't see nor hear. I could not even feel the doll in my hands anymore and soon lost my balance. I knew from the way my weight shifted that I was falling. But there was no pain when my body hit the floor.